Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. John 5 verse 1. I want to talk to you today about faith that stirs the favour of God. It's taken me a long time to realise, because maybe I'm a bit slower than you, but most of the advancement in the kingdom comes when I stir myself up. We're waiting for God, but God's waiting for us. It seems like a Mexican standoff, isn't it? But the truth is that God's done everything that he's going to do. And now it's up to you. So faith stirs up the favor of God. It's up to you to stir yourself today. And you've made a great step by coming today. And we're going to have an amazing day today. This is a prophetic word that I believe will stir you up and God's going to move by His Spirit. For those that have ears to hear. So you've got to press in today, don't you? You've really got to press in. That's the key to receiving is a hungry heart that says, God, I'm not leaving this place unless you speak to me and change me and stir me. I want more. Amen? I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. Later on, there was a Jewish festival for which Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I'm reading from the Amplified Version, but you can follow along. Now, there is in Jerusalem a pool near the Sheep Gate. This pool in the Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches or doorways that led into Jerusalem. And in these lay a great number of sick people, some blind, some crippled, some paralyzed and shriveled up. Any shriveled up people here today? (laughs) Waiting for the bubbling of the water. Blind, crippled and paralyzed. For an angel of the Lord would go down at an appointed season into the pool and move and stir, stir up the water. And whoever was first in after the stirring of the water was cured of whatever disease which they were afflicted of. Now there was a certain man there who had suffered with a deep-seated and lingering disorder for 38 years. Have you met anyone like that with deep-seated disorders for 38 years? No. No. All your friends are normal. That's good. When Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing that he'd been there a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you have a Medicare card? No, he said, do you want to be well? The invalid said, sir, I have no body. When the water is moving to put me in the pool and while I'm trying to come in, somebody else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your bed and walk. And instantly the man became well. It's an amazing story, this. And how you read the story tells you a lot about who you are, maybe. You can read this story and you can see the pain, the disorder, the dysfunction, the crippled people, the sick people, all these things. But, you know, hidden in this story is an amazing Depth of insight that these same people were right in the midst of the greatest grace and favor and blessing on planet Earth, but they could not see it. Invalid people, it's a sad story. 38 years, 
stuck in a place not knowing that right where they lived was a doorway into their future full of grace and favour and blessing. How is it that some people can get stuck in a place and not move? Stuck in a mindset, stuck because of their past, stuck because of perceptions, stuck because of small thinking, stuck in a place. And in that very place, God has done everything to open up an avenue for them to walk in abundance, favour and increase. Have you ever wondered when you read that story? Stuck. Now, I'm going to show you some things today that I hope God will speak to you about as we go forward. But here's the story about a man, and it says he's in a place called Bethesda. Now, if you know anything about the Hebrew, Beth is, or Bet is a, a word for house. It's, it's literally house of hesed. Now, if you understand hesed, it is a Hebrew covenant word that is put right throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Psalms. He is living in a place of covenant. Hesed is a covenant word that means God's tenderness, his fierce devotion towards, his favor and his grace. It's one of the strongest covenant words in all of Hebrew language. And he's living there in a place called the house of Hesed. How is it that people can come to church week after week, year after year in a covenant place where there is right before them all the power, all the ability that they ever would need, yet they're stuck and they can't progress. They're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for a miracle, for someone external to come and do some magic tricks and for them to break out of where they are at, stuck in the wilderness. It's the same word that David uses, hesed, when he says, is there anyone that I can show covenant kindness to because of my covenant with Jonathan? David's looking to bless someone and he finds Mephibosheth, who is a crippled young boy. The analogy is the same, a crippled person, stuck. And David just wants to shower somebody with favor and blessing. Do you know today God is just looking for somebody to bless. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. He has this fierce devotion towards people. I know some of you may be thinking, maybe some listening online, well, you know what? It sounds good, but he doesn't bless me. Where's his fierce devotion towards me? But the truth is today, God is fiercely loyal towards his people. And it's up to you and I to stir up that revelation within us. See, everything in the Bible is voice activated. All the promises are yes and amen. And everything that God has done is in his word. It's in the scripture. And the truth only becomes the truth when you stir it up within. Are you hearing me? You've got to stir it up. See, this pool, this, this water we'll find out later on is a picture of the living truth. You have to stir it up by faith. You've got to stir it up. He's sitting where, where there's so much blessing, so much breakthrough, but he's, he just can't get it. 
He's in the house of Hesed, but he's living like a pauper. How is it that people can come to church week after week and live like paupers, spiritually, relationally, financially, never getting their breakthrough? And it looks like God is a liar. This doesn't look like a house of blessing. It looks pitiful. If you and I were to walk into that place, we would look around and say, there is no evidence of God in this place. But the truth was, God was in that place. Surrounding this pool are five porches, five gateways into Jerusalem. Five is the number, right through Scripture, of grace and favour. Not only was there grace and favour to be made well, but there was grace and favour to enter into. Jerusalem was a picture of entering into all your inheritance. There are five different porches or openings or gateways with no doors, constant access for the church to enter into their fullness. There's favour on you today. There's favour on you today. Five is the number of favor. We see that right throughout Scripture. Psalms chapter 5 talks about the favor of the Lord. There's favor on, on you to break through all the things that the devil would do in your life. We need the favor of God in our life to break through. And God was saying to these people, it's right there in front of you. My favor's on you. If only you would believe. So many of us are restricted by the devil. And we're stuck in that place. And if only we would begin to stir it up. I'm convinced that most Christians go home and never open this up during the week. Never declare it. They don't make this. They don't become a living epistle. And then they come back to church the next week and go, Oh, I don't know. It's all so hard. I don't know if God loves me. Get the word and begin to stir it up within you. And faith will begin to make way for you. Favor will begin to flow. Are you hearing me? Because it's the favor of God that smashes down the enemy's plans. It's the pool that sets you free. It's the presence of God, the favor of God, the glory of God that makes a way where there is no way. This story is full of that. Favor, favor, favor. He's sitting in a covenant house of favor, surrounded by gates of favor, opening into his inheritance. They are constantly open. There is no doors. They are always open, but he's stuck. He's stuck. And it's a tragedy because so many believers are like that today. Stuck in a small way of thinking. I try not to get irritated. I try not to get upset, but it really does... What's the word? What's a, what's a Christian word for it? It really does... You know what I'm saying. By the smallness of the thinking of God's people, but not in this place. Not in this place. You are big thinkers. You are convinced that he's a God of increase. We're not stuck. We're on the move. I can feel it. We're on the move. We're breaking free of those conditions of crippleness and blindness. We're beginning to see there is much more. It's... It's so hard because two people can be sitting in the same place. One can see stuck crippledness. The other sees favor. Same place. 
So you can look at this story. It can all be about crippleness and stuck and all the bad things. But you can look at this story and say, I can see a way through. I can see an opening. See, it's all about how you see and whether you would grab it by faith today. You can go out of this place a totally different person or you can stay stuck in a mindset. Waiting for God to do some miracle to change your life. It ain't going to happen. I'm sorry to pop your bubble, but it's not the way God works. Oh, yes, occasionally an angel will come and stir the waters and God, by his mercy, will give you breakthroughs. But the predominant way that God's people move forward is by stirring up the waters within. So we ch- God's going to stir us up because the church is all about being increase-minded, that we are surrounded by favor. He's done everything. Jesus died on the cross so the church would walk into its inheritance. Genesis 12, 2, he says to Abraham, I'm going to increase you. I will bless you and I will give you abundant increase of favors and you will be a blessing. And through you, you're going to bless all the nations. And the devil wants us stuck because when we get unstuck, we begin to influence nations. This city needs the church to get unstuck, needs us to get out of our small thinking, needs us This city needs us to begin to operate in great wealth, operate in great wisdom, operate in great justice and mercy. If I had time, I could tell you stories right throughout the week of people coming into this place, ripped off, abused, ripped off by the world system. And the church has an obligation to get unstuck and begin to walk into what the world needs us to walk in. Unstuck. Unstuck. And here's a man who's been there for how many years? 38. Not 37, 36, 33, but 38 years. And so every good Bible student would know that when you see numbers, they're not random. God's not random. God is a God of order. And so we look at this number 38 and we think, Jesus was trying to say something to Israel And something to us today, 38 years. 38 years made in the image of God, but stuck. Can you imagine being stuck for 38 years? 38 years uh, waiting for my breakthrough. 38 years of wrestling with my mind. Oh, if only you could see what was inside my head. It would scare you. Not me personally, but just... 38 years... 38 years. Think back 38 years ago, if you're less than 38, more than 38. It's a long time to be stuck. 38 years. He's made, in the image of God, he's the seed of Abraham, the Hebrew. He's made to cross over. See, the Hebrew people, the word Hebrew means to cross over. That's his DNA. He's, he's designed to keep crossing over to new levels of increase and blessing and favor. But he's stuck. You need to know that, but that in your DNA, your spiritual DNA, is the ability to constantly cross over to new levels of increase. That's the way God designed you. And to be stuck is to go against all of the ways that God has made you to be. Look at me. 
You're designed to cross over. You're designed to press through. You're not designed to be caught up and bound by old thinking, things of the past. You're designed to be free and to cross over and to increase and to be blessed and to be favoured. That's the way God designed you. 38 years being lied to that you're not good enough, that you'll never change, that this is, this is, your, this is your lot in life. 38 years of wrestling with demonic voices. Imagine being surrounded by so many troubled people in such a dark environment, groaning and crying, people blind they can't see, people crippled they can't walk. And he's in this environment where he's been tormented for 38 years. I watched a video this week on Facebook and I watched this video about a liar bird. Do we have that video? Did you notice something? This bird is called a liar bird. He's a pretty bird. He comes like an angel of light and he lies and he, he has this ability when he is seeking to mate, to reproduce himself, to to create 20 different voices to entice his mate. I was looking at it and thinking, this is exactly what the devil does. He comes to people stuck and he gets inside their head and he begins to imitate voices of the past. You'll never change. You'll always be broke. You'll never get out of that addiction. You'll never change that mindset. And all these voices of our past, our present, our future. See, he can imitate so many voices. And this is what he did to that man stuck for 38 years. He said to him, you need somebody else to get a healing. You can only be healed once a year. You're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck. And I wondered today, what's going on inside your head? Why are you stuck in your condition why are you stuck in that mindset? Why have you come to the place where you've said, I can't go any further. I'll never have more. I'll never change. This is the way it's meant to be. 38 years. It's interesting because if that man knew his history well, he would have realized in Deuteronomy chapter 2 that Israel, from the time that God gave him the commandments at the mountain they took 38 years from that time to get to the boundary where they were ready to cross over i want you to know today that this is without doubt the set time of god's favor on the church the church has been stuck i'm talking about the the church the the wider church we have been stuck in a holding pattern for so long. I'm not saying that God hasn't done good things. I'm not saying people haven't been changed and lives saved. But I'm saying for, with, in regard to the purposes of God, of taking our inheritance, of changing the fabric of a city, we've been stuck. But the great thing is that Jesus comes at the right moment, at the right time, 38 years, and he's saying, your time of being stuck is over. You're about to cross over. 38 years. 38 years. And I, I, I know that God's been saying to me, tell the church, Andrew, it's my set time of favor. There are times where God begins to intervene and remind his people. And how does he intervene? He doesn't stir the water up. He comes with a word. Jesus, the word 
came to that man and began to remind him of who he truly was. You're not bound in this mat. You're bound to walk out. You're bound to go into, into your inheritance. And Jesus is coming to the church right now. Not just in this church, but all around the world. There is a rumbling. There is a yearning. There is a stirring within the hearts of God's people. Not just preachers, but in the crowd, in the congregation, God's people are getting stirred in their heart. I come home from Hope Hubs stirred in my spirit because it's not about me. I'm listening to what God is doing in his people and I'm getting stirred. I think to myself, I could take the city just with my Hope Hub. It's a set time of God's favour. And God's saying this. You might say, well, I don't know if it's a set time of God's favour. Maybe you've just been drinking too much coffee. I am convinced in my heart this is the set time of God's favour. And God is calling people. He is touching people. He's calling people in. He's drawing people who have been out of church for years and he's stirring their hearts. And they don't know what it is exactly, but they know that God's doing something. And, and there's a change now. They're coming in. It's not just about them, but they're saying, God, what's on your heart? What's your assignment? What do you want me to do? How can I touch this city? How can you use me? There's a difference now because the set time of favor has come. So God keeps speaking to me about it. And I said some of this message would be prophetic. And, and he's been showing me that this is the hour that God is moving. Do you know, I had a, somebody in this congregation call me or email me. I'm not sure how it happened. But he told me about the golden slipper. Do you know the horse race, the golden slipper? No, no, of course you don't. The Golden Slipper is a horse race. It's for two-year-old horses. It was uh, created by a man in Sydney, and he wanted to create a new horse race. So he spoke to his wife, what gift would you give to, um, to a newborn baby? And she said, a Golden Slipper. So they named the race the Golden Slipper. And this person spoke to me and said, you know, in 1967 which was the year the, where Israel was freed, particularly Jerusalem, in the Six-Day War. It was a pivotal year. It was a set time of God's favour. It's interesting to go back another 50 years, 1917, and Israel was essentially given the go-ahead by Britain to become a nation. So we see times of set favour on Israel, 1917. Then again on Jerusalem in 1967. And we were looking at this horse race and if, I don't know if you can understand this, I'm sure you can, that God uses physical things to unveil what has already taken place in the Spirit. So Karen and I were talking about this. When we leave and go to heaven, it says first the physical, then the spiritual. But while we're on the earth, it's the other way around. First the spiritual and then the physical. So we see God showing signs of his favor through so many things like the burning bush. There was nothing sacred in the bush. It was just revealing what God had already done. So in this race, we see in 1967 that Israel is formed. Sorry, Jerusalem is, is uh, particularly the old Jerusalem, is set free and they regain that. And in 1967, the horse that wins the race is called Sweet Embrace. It is 40 to 1. It is at long odds to win. It's, the, it's actually, out of all the races in the Golden Slipper, 
This is a race where the least favorite wins the race. It's a picture of God. He says, you know what? Even though Israel is being trampled down, even though it's the least favorite and all the odds are against it, I can pick it up because I've embraced this nation. It is the apple of my eye and I'm going to take it out of obscurity. I'm going to take Jerusalem, which has been trampled for generations, and I'm going to release it into its fullness. And as they told me that, I looked at all the horses that had ever raced in the Golden Slipper and all the names. There was nothing prophetic about any of the other names until this year. And I looked in January this year and the name of the favorite for this year was a horse called She Will Reign. So we've got a picture of God's set time of favor for Israel. God set 1917, God's set time of favor in the Golden Slipper for Jerusalem in 1967. And 2017, 50 years later, 50 being the number of Jubilee, we have a picture of the church reigning with God. She will reign. It's interesting, the horse that won last year was called Capitalist. (laughs) So I said to Jen in January, this horse is going to win. And it did. I didn't put any money on it, but if I had of, I would be in Hawaii now. (laughs) And on and on we see that we are in a set time of God's favor. The church has been stuck, but now God is beginning to reveal, like he did to this man, there's favor all around you. I have come to set you free. You're about to cross over again into your destiny. The challenge is when you've been stuck for 38 years, you don't always want to hear that. You're caught in your pain. Why didn't you come earlier? Why couldn't I hear? There are many reasons. But you need to know today that God's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying the set time of favor has come. You're about to go into a whole new destiny. Don't worry about your past. Don't worry, worry about your mistakes. Don't worry about all the stuff that's going on. I can work that out. And Some things are higher than you'll ever understand this side of eternity. But you know what? He's saying to you today, your set time of favor has come. I'm going to unstick you from all the junk in your life and set you free. And so God's been saying to me, it's a set time of favor. He showed me through that race that God's up to something. He's up to something. And you can be locked in that place and not see that God is at work. And my job today is to cause you to see that right where you are, there is two perspectives. One is of being bound and oppressed and stuck. And in this very same place, God's people begin to see it's my set time of favor and a breakthrough. How can this be that in the very same place, there are two perspectives? It's a set time of God's favor. Did you notice at the Dreams Conference, for those who were there, there was a woman that came and had a profound experience. And I teach our kids at home that God's always speaking through so many means. And we, we have to learn the language of God to us. There is a particular language that God has for each individual. And I'm so aware that, that often I'm walking past encounters with God. I'm walking past, it's all like all of heaven saying, we're here, we're here, we're here. And I'm walking by, not seeing. But God's highlighting to the church in so many ways 
that the set time of favor has come. He is setting his people free. He's on the wall. And she came and she spoke about an airline. She worked at the airline. How many people remember that story? And then about you, but as soon as she got up and began to speak, my spiritual antennas started going. I was like, this is amazing. You may have remembered that she began to speak about all the threes. Do you remember that? And that when I hear the number three, my spiritual antennas go off. You may think, well, he's a bit strange, but I know the way God speaks to me. And three is the number of completion, but it's also a specific number related to the church age, the third day church. Jesus said to Herod, on the third day I'll be perfected. I will die and I'll be perfected on the third day. Speaking of the resurrection, but also speaking of the end time church, a day is like a thousand years and we are coming into the third day age. Three, 2,000 years since the cross, we are stepping into the third day. It is a significant time for the church. Do you remember when Jesus came to Peter and he said three times, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So he's saying for every day of the church, I want them nurtured, I want them to grow, I want them to increase. And we, the church, are right on the edge of the last times. This is where God is pouring out his favor. The church is increasing. I say to people, the New Testament church is not the high watermark. It is the beginning. And every generation, God is increasing. The nature of the kingdom is to continually increase. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It speaks of salvation, sonship, and dominion. We come into the kingdom, we're born again, we begin to learn about sonship, how to think right, feel right, choose right, and then we enter into a place of dominion. It's the third day church. So she talks about a plane where all these threes are happening, and I'm thinking to myself, there are warning bells, alarm bells going off. God is speaking to the church, the third day church, about what he wants to do. The Mount Transfiguration, three men go up. Peter, James, and John. A picture of the th three, three people, third day church. John being the last one. Peter, James, and John. And Jesus says of John, What is it to you, Peter, if John remains until I come? It's a picture of the church remaining. It's the end time church that are alive when Jesus comes. It's interesting that John is the only one that writes three epistles. And in the third epistle, we see an unveiling of God's heart to the church. 3 John 1 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. We begin to see that in the third day church, God is pouring out favor and prosperity and power and dominion so his kingdom can be established. And she begins to talk about this airplane and about all the threes that begin to happen as the call goes forward for people to board the plane. Do you remember what she said? She said, there are three in first class. A picture of the Father, Son and Spirit in control in the end time church. 33 in business. 213 in economy. 
And when she said that, I began to think of Matthew 21.3, where Jesus said, Go to the disciples, go and untie that donkey, for the Lord has need of you. We are in a season where all the church economy speaks about everybody in the church. And Jesus says, we're in a season where God is going to send his people all around the world and we're going to untie, unhook resources so Jesus can come into the city. So he can be manifested in cities. And to be manifested in cities needs resources, influence and power. And God's people are unhooking all the things that have been bound and held for years. And we're saying the Lord has need for you. Not just money, but people. God's going to cause us to unhook people that have been stuck and they have all these resources inside, all this ability. And, and this is what God was saying about in the airplane. There are 213 people in a economy. Matthew 21.3, the Lord has need of you. Loose the donkey and let it go. But what was interesting, she said, there were three wheelchairs coming onto the plane at 3 p.m. And I thought about that because in Acts chapter 3, Again, a picture of the third day church. There's a man that is a crippled, three wheelchairs at 3 p.m. He's crippled and he's sitting at the gate at 3 p.m. And John and Peter come and they set him free. And they say to him, you don't need silver and gold. You don't need a handout. We're not going to perpetuate you being stuck in a circle. We're going to pray for you and you're going to get unstuck. And you're going to begin to walk into your destiny. Church, God is speaking over it. And there's much, much more in that. But God is speaking to his church. It's time to get unstuck. Because my set time of favor has come. Can anyone say amen to that? We're waiting for God to move. And God's waiting for us. We're waiting for him to do some miracle where, where everything will change in my life. The John 5 man attended meetings. He went to all the great preachers, but he was stuck. He was waiting for someone to stir the waters, an angel to come, an angel to come, a messenger, some profound person to stir the waters and set me free. And Jesus was saying to this man, you don't need to wait for somebody to stir the waters. In fact, there's nothing Nothing, see, it's, it's not the angel that was powerful. It was the waters. Anybody can stir them. You don't need me to stir the waters. You can stir the waters, for the waters are within. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The kingdom of God is within you. The moment you are born again, you have access to all the wisdom, all the resources, everything that you will need for success. There is no more reason to be stuck. So Jesus says to the man, you don't need to wait anymore. Rise, take your bed, and walk. You know, it's the exact same thing that Moses recorded in Deuteronomy 2. When Israel came to the borders, 38 years, and God spoke to the children of Israel and said, you have dealt, dwelt this, in this place long enough. You've been stuck long enough. Rise up, cross over, and take the promised land. And I say to you, it's the same. You've been stuck too long. Stuck too long. You've got a pool of power within you. You have the Holy Ghost within you. My job is to make you realize 
that you don't need me. I mean, it's great that I come and encourage you. But, but really, the Bible says in 1 John 2 that you have an anointing within you. You have a pool of water in you. The moment you get born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you know all things. You have access to the mind of God. He has every solution you need. He will give you the power you need. And my friend, if you would just open up, if you would allow Jesus to come to you. See, Jesus came that day, but he's really a picture of this. It's the word of God coming to a person that is stuck and says, you know what? You don't need some superstar to unstuck you, unstick you. You need me. Hear what I have to say. Rise up. Take your bed and walk. And I do that every day. I ask Jesus to come in his word to every area that's stuck in my life. And I begin to read the words of Jesus. I've said this to you before, but so many Christians, people, misunderstand what this is. This is powerless. When it's shut. But the moment I open this and I begin to read the scriptures, John 6.63, his words are spirit and they are life. And when his word is in my mouth and in my heart, something begins to change. Mark 4 says it's like a sower that sows seed in the ground. And if I will keep my heart clean, if I will forgive people and walk in impurity, and allow that word to come into my heart, it will begin to grow and increase and increase and increase. And it's a bit like this. You know, behind this wall, there's a pathway. There's a concrete pathway. It's about two meters wide. And I saw between the wall of this building and the pathway, a little tree grow in between the cracks. And the bigger it grew, the more it pushed the path out. One little tree had the power to separate a concrete wall and a concrete path. Do you know, as the kingdom grows within you, it will unstick you. It will break you free from all the lies and the negativity of the past. It will thrust you into your future. It cannot fail. And if you only leave today and begin to stir yourself up, stir yourself up, stir yourself up, tell yourself, the favor of the Lord is upon me. In fact, I'll read you a scripture. Psalm 44, 3. They did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them, but it was your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance. When it talks of the light of his countenance, it talks about his favor. Because you favored them. Psalm 84, 11. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives us favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And so, you know what? As I begin to stir those scriptures up within me, something begins to happen and I get myself unstuck. But Zechariah 4 7 says, You speak to your mountain. And it speaks to the mountain and says, 
Grace, grace, or favor, favor. I speak to my mountains that resist my progress, every lying thought, and I say the favor of God is on me. I am blessed by the Lord God. I rebuke every mountain that gets in my way. I take authority and I begin to speak and stir the waters within me. See, the reason he was stuck for 38 years is because he thought he had no power to stir the water. Are you getting this? But he had all the power he needed. And the moment you go home and you pick up and you blow the dust off your Bible and you find a favorite scripture, you don't need to read them all. Just get one. If you need strength today, you're feeling weak, you get one. Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if that's the only scripture you meditate on, for a, meditate on for a month, you get it inside your heart. And not so it's a, a text, but it goes from being a text to being, it, it becomes who you are. So when you eat something, if I eat a banana today, it goes from being a banana to becoming part of my body. It becomes my muscles, my eyes. It integrates into my body. And the same with the word, as I feast on it day and night. It goes from being a little pretty text in Sunday school, in kids' class, to becoming who I am. And so when I walk, I walk in such strength because it's not just a text. It is life and spirit. It is as though Jesus himself came to me and said, you can do all things because I strengthen you. If Jesus came into your room and knocked on your door with a message from heaven, says, I have strengthened you, you may believe it. But he does that every day. But we don't open the door. And all of a sudden, I begin to stir myself. Isaiah says that God wondered why there was no one that stirred themselves to take hold of him. Why there was no intercessor. While there was no one that would cry out to him. See, all these scriptures are powerless until they become mine. The Bible says that the angels heed the voice of the Lord. They are inactive waiting for God's people to speak. And part of my mission is to get God's people to declare and speak and shout out and take authority to progress, to get out of being stuck and begin to stir themselves up. You don't need an angel to stir your water. You can stir the water. And the moment I begin to declare that I am favored, you say, well, I don't even know where to start. Have you got a computer? Have you got Google? Can you search scriptures on favor, scriptures on breakthrough? I can do that. Have you got a friend? They'll know a scripture. And you write them down and you begin to proclaim it. And the moment you begin to proclaim the favor of God in your life, favor, his super comes on my natural. I begin to see it. I begin to expect it. I begin to thank him for it. And it begins to flow. Stir it up. Stir it up. Rise up. Take your bed and walk. And as you stir, something begins to rise within you. You find yourself getting unstuck. There are days I wake up and I feel sad. The days I wake up and I feel like there's no point. In fact, there are times when I go to pray and I, 
just this terrible feeling will come over me. Maybe you've never had that. Maybe you live in glory land all the time. There are times when the devil reminds me of my past. When I look at my future and I think, it'll never change. It's always going to be the same. There's times when, if I let my mind go wild, I'll be preparing my funeral and, and all sorts of crazy things will happen. But I found that if I'll just get up and stir the waters, he flees. He flees. I get myself unstuck. And I remind myself that all around me there are open doors. The devil's a liar. He wants to keep us in prison, but the truth is, in this very same place where I am bound, there's a doorway into freedom. Isn't that amazing? In the very moment I feel at the lowest, I know there's a doorway, there's an exit sign into favor and goodness. And I want you to know today that in your darkest moment, remember this today, that at that very place, there is an exit door to favor and increase. If you will stir the waters, stir the waters, stir the waters. Jesus has done everything he's going to do. Did you notice that he didn't say to the man, wait for the next angel. He's done everything he's going to do. He says, now stir the water. You can do it. Stir the water. Did you hear me today? Stir the water. Get unstuck. So everyone just lift up your hands with me today. Father, I thank you that you are freeing people today. They're becoming unstuck. I speak over everyone, Lord, today that has come to a place where progress has been hindered. And I say right now by the Spirit of God, be unstuck. Be unstuck. Be unstuck. May the stirring of the Spirit, the stirring of the Word propel you into increase and favor in Jesus' name.